Mayfly. Written and narrated by Ray Fletcher. Chapter 3 The clock radio clicked a second before the music started. Her hand slammed down, cutting off Madonna's mournful crooning. Quiet was restored. She heard the wind and the birds. Quiet enough to hear a truck passing on the road. Quiet enough to hear the wash of an airplane. When she held her breath, she could hear her heart beating. She smiled and swung out of bed. There was still good cereal left from grocery day. She caught the end of the news while she emptied the cereal box into her bowl. Marshmallows ballooned half-heartedly in milk, almost overwhelming the misshapen oat bits. She took it and some orange juice, part of this nutritious breakfast, to the table. After a bite or two, her attention wandered. She grabbed a book from the top of a stack ready to go back to the library. A beefy guy bent a woman back, enraptured by her cleavage. She flipped through it until she got to maidenheads and thrusting manhoods. Her mom liked some racy stuff. Maybe she could take them in today and find something for herself that didn't involve turgid staffs. Morning, sweetie. You're up early. The sun comes right into my room. We went out and got you those blinds. Forgot to close them, I guess. The smell of coffee filled the trailer. Her mom stood next to the cupboard, turning her cup around in her hands. Do you have plans today? Maybe go to the library before work. Books are almost due. I need the car. I'll take the bus. Sorry, you know, I, I really... It's okay, Mom. She watched her pour, a few escaped drops sizzling on the coffee maker's hot plate. Coffee smell was replaced with burned coffee smell. You want some? No, thanks. I probably shouldn't offer. It's probably not healthy. Probably not. Her mom sat down at the table, hands folded around the cup. Marianne had a dim memory of her mother painting it. She remembered the smell of the paint and the raw ceramic. The word for coffee was repeated in different fonts, done in avocado green and brown. Their stove had been the same shade of green. You got paid yesterday, right? Marianne pushed one of the marshmallows around in the milk, angling it to make a rainbow with four others. Well, I have an interview out at the mill. Can you imagine? It'd be good money. Union. Get on there and we'll be laughing. Just need gas money. I was going to get new running shoes. Yeah, you're right. That's more important than a job interview. Christ, Marianne. Sorry, I'll get it. It's not like you don't get yours. Who paid for that cereal? I said I'll get it. You watch your tone with me. Sorry. She pushed her chair back. Don't you dare waste that food. You'll be begging for it one day. She finished the bowl and dumped it in the sink. Rinse it, please. I don't want the whole place smelling like sour milk. Marianne left money on the table, slipping out while her mother was getting ready. It was stupid. If her mom landed a good job at the mill, there would be money for a good pair of runners. Even if she didn't, the ones she had would last another season. Season. She snorted, kicking a roundish rock ahead of her. The clouds billowed under the sun, and where there was no sun it was cold enough to make her pull her hoodie closed. School was done. She wasn't going to university. She didn't have another season of track. The rock skipped into the grass at the side of the driveway, clicking against the white stone that she'd been playing soccer with that first night.
She picked it up, rubbing a bit of mud off of its pale surface. The trees looked so normal in the daytime, just the same scrawny pines as everywhere else. But at night, it would change. Every night, for the last week, it had changed. She smiled. It changed, and everything felt good when she visited him. She found some pulpy sci-fi novels at the library. Brain popcorn. She liked Charlene's phrase. Before she left for work, she dipped into the romance shelves to find some books for her mom, searching out newer ones that she likely hadn't read. So many bare, muscular chests. So many bare and elegantly extended legs. Turgid manroot. How is that hot? The evening rush at the gas station gave way to a long, dead period. She took out the list of busy work. Wiping down the seats, she decided. It was better than cleaning the toilets. Kneeling in the booth to scrub at the base, trying not to think of how long it had been since the last time it was done, even there she found her mind drifting to the trees. The trees and the lights and Ewan. She straightened, barely feeling the water soaking into her jeans. Ewan. It was close enough, he said, to his real name. Call me Ewan. The way he said it took up all of her thoughts. It shook her, like those stupid girls in her mom's romances. She really got it then. She understood it. It was different than what she felt with Bobby, even back when they first started dating. She got why women wrote about it. It pushed away all of her petty days and fights with her mom and work and school and everything. A honking horn returned her to the present. Charlene waved to her from her brother's car. Marianne waved back and went to turn on the pump. They hung out for an hour or so. Marianne turned the TV over to music videos, since there were no truckers to complain that they couldn't watch the game. What game never mattered. Baseball, football, hockey. As long as men were playing sports, they'd gulp down their shitty food with eyes glued to it. Marianne knew what offside meant and regretted the brain space that could have been used for biology. Her exam score had been shit. There's a thing at the pit tonight. Want to come? I don't really feel like it. You never want to hang out anymore. In the winter you were studying all the time. I thought we'd have more chances now. We're literally hanging out right now. Because you're trapped at work. Can't get away. I'm not trying to get away. I just don't feel like going to the pit. Charlene stabbed at the ice in her coke with her straw. Did something happen last time? You just took off that night. Bobby says you've been weird lately, too. No, nothing happened. I think it's going to be our last summer. I mean, the last real one that we'll have. You're going away. Marianne's heart sank. Yeah, Mom and Dad decided, finally. McGill. That's really far. I mean, it's great. It's a great school. It's going to be awesome. I wish you were going, too. Maybe in a year or two, Marianne said, trying not to rain on Charlene's big day. But we can have fun this summer. I want to do everything we used to do. Saturday morning cartoons. Charlene laughed. Yeah, with leftover Chinese food. We should. Soon. She sunk an ice cube. Sure you don't want to come? Yeah. Are you sick or something? Not that I know of. You kind of look pale. Oh, God. I'm already like a corpse. I don't know, Charlene laughed. Sorry. I'm okay. Call me, okay? We can hang out. 
It felt lonely after she was gone. She flipped through one of the books she got from the library, waiting for the clock to tick over so she could go home. She sort of missed her textbooks. Studying really ate up the hours. If she'd done more of it. Her mom was still gone when she got home. She dumped the books on the table and grabbed her Walkman and wallet of CDs, shoving them into her backpack. No hoodie. She wouldn't need it once she got into the trees. It was never cold there. She let the screen door slam behind her and jumped off the porch, jogging easily to the driveway. She paced along the grassy shoulder, wishing for the way to open and the light to come down. Ewan said she opened the gate. If it was true, she still didn't know how to do it. Lurking around would be awkward to explain if someone happened to notice, but then, who'd notice out here? A truck roared past, stinking of exhaust and pine. In its wake, a little storm of wood chips fluttered down into the ditches, pale as snow. The smell dissipated. Silence swallowed her. It would be soon. Her hand tightened around the straps of her backpack. She felt the touch of a wind, warmer and softer than any she'd ever known before. Nothing up here, for sure. No matter how deep the summer, this far north, an edge of cold always followed. She closed her eyes. It smelled rich and green. It smelled sweet. Better than perfume. The lights came down toward her, their brightness bubbling and flashing like laughter. A wave of well-being washed over her. She wiped her eyes quickly and hurried to catch them. She was laughing by the time they arrived at the cottonwood tree. They liked to play tag, darting around, impossible to reach, but she tried anyway. Once she passed behind the trees, she was tireless, never running out of breath, not even sweating. And she could see, even though it was night, and she knew it was night. She really did. But it didn't matter. It wasn't a real night or day. She could leap over tumbled trees easily, eyes on the flickering lights. By the time she got to the cottonwood, she had to pause to get herself under control. Ewan stepped around the cottonwood tree. Her laughter trailed off all on its own. Oh, my dear, don't stop. That's the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. She pulled off the backpack, holding it in front of herself. That's... Really? My friend said I sounded like a horse. Your friend is mad. He took her hand, examining her. You're beautiful. Yeah, sure. Why would you deny it? The light in you is blinding. She could barely meet his eyes. It really was like those stupid books, except that the woman in them always knew what to say back. And they weren't wearing band t-shirts. Come now. Many a maid has come to my door. I've seen great beauty and great ugliness, but hair strung with gold, eyes as warm as a spring sky, skin like snow and roses in your cheeks. I know beauty, Marianne, and you are beautiful. He touched her chin, she shivered all over, like when Bobby was trying to make up for something, or the way it was when he first asked her out, fluttery and unsettled. Crass young men don't deserve precious things. They don't understand what they have in their hands. His eyes drifted over her, so kindly. What's his name? Bobby. Ah, crude beast, to treat with indifference so flawless a gift, besmirching it with grubby prints. He let her go. Then, it seemed, she stood there before him for a long time, listening to his voice. 
It was hard to tell here. The music that filled the air ran, sometimes like music always did, but sometimes it came to her through molasses, and each note stretched out longer than it should. She felt a little tremble of sourceless wrong. What was it? Wrong. What was wrong? His fingers brushed over her hair. She took a breath. It was the way it always was here. It feels like forever. Because you're young, he smiled. The youthful hue sits like morning dew upon my Marianne. That's Marvell. So it is. We studied it. But did you sing it? Sing? The voice is a marvelous instrument, and the words of a poem are the notes of the heart. She walked slowly beside him as he brought the stanzas to life. She'd liked it when she'd read it at school, but his voice breathed life into it. She lifted her face to the sky, the cottonwood fluff caught in streams that danced along with his voice, carried high up into the air before swooping down again. You sound way better than Mr. George. He smiled. There was no way he could really be shy, but his look was sort of like that, not modest. He was too confident for that. Self... self-deprecating. How did you learn it? You've been here longer than that. She wondered if she'd overstepped. He smiled. Sometimes we hear echoes, or sometimes a person like you comes along and brings their words to us. They sat down on a log. A creek bubbled under their feet. The tree was somewhere behind them. At the edge of the meadow, the forest began again, endlessly, until it met the misty sky. Music. I brought you music. The lights danced around her. Did you? The last time I was here, you said. You asked about music. Indeed. I brought my player. She fumbled with her bag and pulled it out. It isn't like the music here, classical or... She wanted to say world music or ethnic music or something, but it wasn't like that either. The music that the trees make, my dear Marianne, and the sky and the sea, everything in my world sings. I guess it won't stack up. Play your music, Marianne. She put in a CD. It didn't spin up, and the display remained blank. She tapped it, then opened the back, poking at the batteries. I just put new ones in. You've come a very long way. What? What does that mean? This isn't your world. It exists beside yours. She looked around. But it's close. And far. The rules are different. It's nicer here. He smiled and picked up a CD. The lights gathered close, all of them examining it curiously. Her eyes followed the rainbows that spun around the surface. I'm sorry you can't hear it. That's a good one. You can give it to me. He held out his hand. Please, share with me. She didn't know what he meant, but she took his hand. Music washed out of her, bouncing between the trees and rolling back, a storm of guitar and drums and screaming, primal voices. The lights shrieked and scattered. Oh, oh yes. He tilted his head back exultantly. Oh, this is magnificent. This is the sound of a young heart. He stood, pulling her to her feet. Show me, Marianne. Every time she came to visit, he said she should dance. The lights loved it, but she always refused. Tonight, maybe because it wasn't really dancing, it just felt like venting, she let herself get drunk on the music. They rampaged, 
dancing with the lights in the middle of all the cottonwood fluff. She could dance forever, raging against the shitty trailer and Bobby and his indifference that wasn't even bad enough to be bullshit, and her stupid hometown, and why couldn't she have been a little smarter or faster? Why couldn't she get out? She flung herself around until she was dizzy, feverish with it. Ewan took her hands. She looked up into his steady gaze, shaking her hair out of her eyes. This is a song I've heard before. It calls the young men to war. It whispers all the evil of the world and demands righteous blood to flow. War. A face flickered across her mind. Someone. He squeezed her hands gently. His smile was wide and sharp. Strangely wide. She flinched. Behind him, the trees seemed to tremble. The horizon, ragged with distant hills, grew thin, and something moved behind it. She shuddered. Don't be afraid, Marianne. Everything that you feel is yours. It's as beautiful as your eyes, and your hair, and your song. Give it free rein. It feeds the light in you. Your moment is as short as a heartbeat and as intense as the sun. He cupped her face in his hands. She felt a tremor of misgiving. His face was so close to hers, her lungs emptied, and she couldn't draw another breath. Her arms fell by her sides. Don't. Share it with me, all of your light, like a shooting star. No. She sucked in a breath and staggered back. He released her. She thought he might be mad. He only smiled and sent her off to dance again. She kept looking over her shoulder as she left, until the trees were just trees again. The feeling of the place filled her, following her into sleep. Marianne! Her eyes snapped open. Her mom straightened up, concern collapsing into irritation. How much did you drink last night? Nothing. She covered her eyes. The morning light was merciless. She was exhausted and her neck ached like she'd been headbanging. You were. Is it drugs? Nothing. I didn't do anything last night. I just stayed home. Bullshit. I heard you come in at three this morning. She didn't remember coming home. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. She waited to see which direction she'd go. Well, you don't stink. She heard her retreat into the hall. It's almost noon. You have work today, don't you? The sounds of cooking reached her, followed by bacon smells, and the toaster popped. Her stomach growled. Then she heard the shower come on. Her mom was at the stove. Smoke curled up from the ashtray. There was a pack of players beside her mom's usual dormorier. Who's here? John, you remember? I told you about him a while ago. The man from the garage near work. A guy from a garage. You went out? I wanted to celebrate. Don't worry, he paid. Her mom's good mood persisted. I think the interview went great. She smiled, reaching around to pick up the ashtray. He's a nice man. Please. She didn't say what she was asking for. Marianne retreated to her room, perching on the edge of her bed. The sound of voices, too low to understand, reached her. Her eyes fell on the family portrait on her dresser. They were wearing their Sunday best in it, of course. But her dad always wore a suit to work. She got ready, packing up her bag. There was mud on the bottom of it. She pulled out her CD player. When she hit play, the disc started to spin. Marianne, come eat. She shoved the player back into her bag. Her mom's new boyfriend was sitting in Marianne's usual chair. 
An empty plate sat awkwardly where the mail and flyers were normally stacked, under the phone. He was older, bald, with a tidy beard to make up for it. A crisp plaid shirt was buttoned up over a t-shirt. As soon as she appeared, he stood up with a friendly smile. Hey, I'm John. You must be Marianne. Your mom told me all about you. Her mom's eyes were hopeful, pleading. Nice to meet you. They shook hands, and she thought he felt about as awkward as she did, judging from his little smile. I made breakfast, her mom chirped. There's enough for all of us. I have to get to work. It's really good. Are you sure you can't stay? John sat again. It would be great to talk to you. Yeah, sorry. I can't lose this job. Sweetie, are you sure you're okay? I'm fine. You just look really pale. She took a breath. Her mom sounded so much like she remembered from when she was little. You know me, Fishbelly White. Okay, maybe you could come home right after work tonight? We'll watch a movie or something. She looked out the window, towards the driveway and the trees, full of longing. A flash of memory came to her, and her good feeling wavered. It was just a smile. Why didn't she want to smile in return? Yeah, maybe that'd be cool. I got a great movie collection, John said. I could bring something over. Sure. Sounds great. Her mom looked so happy. She didn't look at the trees when she walked past. It was just a smile. She was feeling decidedly lightheaded by the time she got to work. Long shifts alone pretty much sucked, but one advantage was that no boss was hanging over her. She made herself a burger, piling on the pickles, wolfing it down before a customer came in. The sun dropped down behind the hills, heat vanished with it, and the cold dampness crawled in. She shivered when she ran the garbage out to the dumpsters. Behind the parking lot, the details of the hills melted away into toothy silhouettes, chewing away at the deep blue sky. She watched the trees sway, wishing. Something had been behind those trees, like something had been behind his smile. The bell rang above the door, announcing a customer. She slammed the dumpster lid down and jogged back inside. Sorry, garbage run. Just let me wash my hands and I'll be right with you. The dark-haired woman at the door nodded. Marianne stopped short, frowning. What is it? You look familiar. Do I? She leaned forward slightly, dark eyes wide and intent. Her voice teased at the back of Marianne's mind. She couldn't grasp it, though, and the whatever it was, the not-quite-memory, vanished completely. She blinked. The woman's eyes were totally normal. She was normal. Sorry, I might be going crazy. Do I look like a good familiar person? She had an accent. It sounded exotic. Marianne scrubbed the smell of garbage off her hands. Nicest face I've seen all day. I bet you say that to all the customers. Marianne snorted. Okay, no. Not to the people who come in here. What can I get you? Coffee, please. Anything to eat? Not just now. Pale, with full red lips. Her hair looked as soft and shiny as a shampoo commercial. Maybe she knew her from TV? She had a leather jacket with her and wore jeans that clung to her hips and a plain white tank top. She wasn't dressed the way Marianne imagined a rich person did. She shook her head, turning her attention to the coffee. You're not a local. Nope. Traveling back through. I was heading up to Alaska, but it is damned cold. Alaska. 
bit of America, just to the right of Siberia. Right. Forgot. Well, if it's too cold for you now, it's a good thing you're turning around. The woman nursed her coffee, filling the empty hours with idle chatter. What was irritating in old ladies and truckers now ended up making the time fly. She told amazing stories. How old was she? In her twenties, maybe. But she had a hundred years of stories, it seemed like. Marianne leaned against the counter, folding and refolding her rag, trying not to ask too many questions, like a rube. You travel a lot. I do. I've never even been to the next province over. I was hoping for a school back east. She leaned forward. Marianne watched her fingers fold together on the counter. The tank top was only a little paler than she was, and the shadows at her collarbones tinted almost blue. What would you study? Um, I wanted to study lit, or history or something. But probably something practical. Maybe in forestry or computers. Something where I could get a job right after graduating. I like history myself. European? I spent some time there, exploring it all. It must be cool to be surrounded by old things. Old things, new things. You can find interesting things anywhere. Not here. Don't sell yourself short. Me? Sure. Marianne laughed awkwardly, tracing a pattern between the gold-toned speckles of the laminate, like stars. Well, I want to leave too. Then it'll be shit out of luck. Pardon my French. She made up a batch of fries and offered a plate on the house. You rebel. They owe me for all the bathroom breaks I don't get. She looked at the clock. Eat fast, though. Closing up? My shift's nearly over, she said apologetically. Pity. She thought of her mom waiting at home with John. Or there was the forest and the lights. Just a smile. Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. She laughed. Going crazy, remember? The woman set the plate halfway between the two of them, offering to share. They made quick work of it. Marianne asked if she'd ever been to Italy. The woman treated her to a story about exploring the catacombs of Rome that lasted until the sound of a familiar pickup announced Todd's arrival. Your relief? The night guy. Hmm. Well, since the company is leaving, I'll take myself off to my own little nest. I bet you have some miles to go tomorrow. I think I might stay a few days. I hear you can see the northern lights. Not in the summer. A few months then, she laughed. It's an interesting place. Here endeth the chapter. Mayfly is an urban paranormal fantasy narrative project with a new chapter uploaded every two weeks until the novel is done or my vocal cords fall off. Subscribe to Patreon for early access and occasional exclusive content. For social media, blog posts, and links to other work, please visit www.houseofie.com. That's House of V-A-Y-I. For past chapters, a one-time donation to coffee is greatly appreciated. Music is White Horse on the Beach by Nature's Eye. It and other royalty-free media is available at pixabay.com. Thank you for listening, 
an audience is the greatest gift an artist can have. 